Uh, and Essence it was originally designed to treat the skin on a sort of cellular level that were to help um, because they've completely fried their skin by using really strong retinols, AHAs, BHAs, and things like that. Thing, but the KVD just exploded. It got so popular. I think the key thing that distinguishes Korean beauty from Western beauty is really its approach. Welcome to Ask the Beauty Advisor, a podcast that answers your health and beauty questions. Hosted by health and beauty advisor, Deanna Lin. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Ask the Beauty Advisor. You can listen to full episodes of Ask the Beauty Advisor by subscribing to the podcast on any of your favorite podcast apps like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast apps. This is your host, Deanna Lin, licensed esthetician and certified health coach. Korean beauty products are the biggest craze when it comes to skincare and makeup. There are so many reasons why these beauty and skincare products have captured our attention. If you're trying to figure it out and what the hype is all about, well, look no further. Because today's guest, Lauren Lee, founder of Subi Beauty and creator of the website Style Story, is going to tell you all the benefits and share some of these techniques for using these innovative products and why you might want to add a few of them to your beauty arsenal. After listening to today's episode, I guarantee you'll be wanting to scour her website in search of Korean beauty products. There is a link to Lauren's website, Style Story, located in the show notes. You can click on that link and check out the products as you are listening to today's show. So with that being said, let's go ahead and get today's show started. Hello, Lauren. Welcome. I'm so excited to have you on today. I think we're going to have an amazing show. Thanks so much for the opportunity. I'm super excited. Me too. Lauren, I detect an accent. Where are you calling in from? (laughs) That's right. I'm Aussie, actually, but I'm based in Seoul in South Korea. So a little bit of a a twist on that one. But yes, I am from the land down under. How are things where you're at as far as this virus and stuff? How are you surviving it? So South Korea was actually one of the first countries to get hit really, really hard. So our numbers spiked quite early on in the piece and then we went into a sort of social isolation but not a full lockdown. So I think we've been in some form of lockdown since maybe late February, March. Um, and uh, as, the t- as at the time of recording, it's now nearly the end of April. So quite a while it's been going on for, but I think we have our numbers finally under control. Wow, that is rough. We've been here, I've been here probably five weeks and I'm going stir crazy. I cannot even imagine how hard it must be not to leave the house. At least we're <laughs> able to leave. But um, we are being forced to wear masks every time we leave the house. And I've ended up with the worst case of like contact dermatitis. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So my sympathy goes out to anyone that actually needs to be wearing their mask all day. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I really feel for you. That's a roughie. Most of us are wearing masks when we go out also. And a lot of the food workers are wearing those masks every day. So, wow, I never thought about that. But I can uh, totally understand how that would cause a skin condition or irritate the skin yeah (laughs) 
So anyway, before we really get a deep dive into our topic today, we're going to be talking about K-beauty. But I know most of my listeners know exactly what K-beauty is. But before I ask you about yourself and your company, just tell us as briefly as you can, what exactly is meant by the word K-beauty? So I think K-beauty just broadly refers to Korean beauty. So the products, trends, ingredients, and things like that that are coming out of Korea, really. Um, and there's, there's literally thousands of brands here. So there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of innovation. Uh, and that's obviously been spread sort of to the States, uh, to throughout the entire Western world, through Asia as well. And Korean beauty, I think, has really become a force in global uh, beauty to be reckoned with. Um, and it's responsible for a lot of the trends these days. Yes, absolutely. I'm very excited about K-beauty or Korean beauty, whatever you want to call it. As a licensed esthetician myself, I have actually been taking classes and learning a lot of the techniques And it's very exciting. They're different than what we learned here in the States, but I'm amazed at the results. And I'm also amazed at how well my uh, clients have responded to these various and different techniques. And we will get into talking about some of those techniques in a minute here. But first, I think it would be a good idea if we told the listeners a little bit about you, about your company, and your position within the company. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your company. Sure thing. So myself, I am obviously an Aussie. I first came to Korea nearly 10 years ago to study um, as an exchange student, and that's how I was first exposed to Korean beauty products. So to cut well, 10 years into a really short story, I ended up moving back to Australia after my exchange was finished and started working. And in my spare time, I set up um, an online store called Style Story in Australia, basically curating the best of Korean beauty and bringing it back to Australia. And that kept me busy for quite a few years. And then I ended up moving back to Seoul Um, basically to expand the company and also we ended up launching our own manufacturing company here in Korea as well. So I now run two companies. I'm a co-founder of the second company uh, from Korea and Australia. (laughs) Wow. So now you are starting to manufacture some of your own products. However, your manufacturing company is under a different name than the products that you curate, which is Style Story. Is that correct? The Style Story, yes, that's right. So our manufacturing company is Subi Beauty. Subi is um, Korean for defense. And as I understand it, you have two separate websites. So the website where we can find the curated products is Style Story. Am I saying that right? Style Story, that's right. Originally, we were doing K-beauty. We were doing Korean clothing. We were doing Korean... um, jewelry and accessories so it was like a full online thing but the kbd just exploded it got so popular um that we decided to just focus solely on um, the cosmetics because that's all anyone wanted so yeah (laughs) yeah well there you go (laughs) so your curated products your korean beauty products how are you sourcing those products 
So we actually work with the hottest brands coming out of Korea, um, big names that you would have probably heard of, and we act as their distributor in Australia. So that uh, business, I guess, is a distribution model. Um, and then Subi is obviously we're manufacturing the products ourselves, and it's a direct-to-consumer model where we sell online direct to our consumers. So I did go and check out both of your websites. Your manufacturing website, the Subi line, only so far you only have one product. Is that right? That's right. Yes. We um, we take a long time when it comes to the development of our products. So we're doing things slowly, but we have a few new products launching soon. But at the moment, yes, we have one product and that is Perfect Pimple Patch, which is our first product. Right, right. Wow. That's amazing. So now let's kind of transition over into Korean techniques and products. But first of all, how is Korean or K-beauty products different from what we would call Western type products? So that's a really great question. And it's a question that I'm asked a lot, obviously, because people want to know why is it so popular? I think the key thing that distinguishes Korean beauty from Western beauty is really its approach. So Korean beauty, the thing that struck me about it when I was first exposed to the products was how gentle they were, but also that rather than uh, the Western focus, which is often on exfoliating and, you know, stripping away old dead skin to reveal new skin hiding beneath. The Korean approach is really about adding things back into the skin. So there's a lot of layers and steps and things like that. And what that's all focused on is hydrating and nourishing. So that, I think, in a nutshell is the key difference I feel between Korean beauty and Western beauty. Um, and I know that that's changed over the years, obviously, as, you know, Western beauty you know, there's a lot more focus on different steps in the routine and things like that now. But at its core, and certainly 10 years ago when I first discovered Korean beauty, that really struck me as the big difference. Well, I think to some degree that's true even today. Skin exfoliation is still very popular in the U.S. The thing I love the most about giving a Korean facial as an esthetician is the various techniques. They are so different than anything that we commonly learn here in the United States. The Korean facials are so different than any of those little cookie-cutter facials that are given here in the States. And clients respond because they are so different. And I have probably doubled my clientele since I've incorporated Korean facials into my business. And also, as you've stated, the products seem to be gentle enough but effective I have not had any of my clients have a negative reaction to any of the Korean products that I've used. Well, and I can say having run an online store selling these products since 2014, I could count on my both hands the amount of times that we've had product returns and that's out of thousands and thousands of customers. So I, I think that goes without saying that they are gentle, they're natural, they just don't have a lot of the actives that a lot of Western products have in them. And I think a big thing that I'm seeing these days with our customers is they're coming to us asking for help because they have acid damage, they have skin barrier damage, because they've completely fried their skin by using really strong retinols, AHAs, BHAs, and things like that. And it's not that Korean beauty doesn't 
uh, incorporate some of those ingredients, but Koreans tend to go to a professional for treatments like that. And then their at-home skincare is very gentle and nourishing and, you know, designed to repair the skin perhaps if they've had a more invasive treatment. But people aren't, you know, playing dermatologist or esthetician at home. I think that's a big difference that I see as well. Oh, heavens, yes. I can't tell you how many clients I get regularly who come in with a compromised barrier. They're, they've damaged the protective barrier by overdoing the exfoliations. And, you know, as you get older, the skin is thin and you can really compromise the skin's barrier and just, yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about some of the techniques now. All right, let's start with the cleansing technique. It's a little bit different. As an esthetician, we are taught to do a double cleanse, but I think we use like a gel cleanser and then a cream. Tell yeah. us about the cleansing technique that's recommended with the oil. You know, the, um, the first step is the oil cleanser. Tell us a little bit about the cleansing technique. Sure. So this was another um, thing that when I first started out with my Korean beauty, I was like, whoa, cleansing twice? Like, wouldn't that strip the skin of all of its natural oils? But the theory behind it is that you, you use the oil cleanse to help break down the components of your sunscreen, your SPF, and also your makeup. But then if you just use an oil cleanser to do that, there's usually a little bit of debris and things like that left over because the oil doesn't break down absolutely everything. So you want to then go in with your foam cleanser as the second step to remove everything so that you're starting with a completely clean base before you then go into your next layers and, and add your treatment steps back into the skin. So that's the purpose behind it. Um, and... Yeah, I've noticed a massive difference in the quality and texture of my skin since starting my double cleanse. Yeah, right. That first cleanse with that oil cleanser kind of loosens up and breaks up or maybe just loosens up a lot of the debris on the skin, the makeup, like you said, the sunscreen. And then you can go in with your foaming cleanser and it just comes right off without stripping that barrier. Exactly. Yes. Also, I do want to bring this up. On your website, you talk a lot about the skin's pH balance. Can you give us some information about pH when it has to do with the skin? So pH of the face wash, uh, so the skin obviously has a natural pH that sits at around 5.5. And you're, when you are going in with your, your cleansing, it actually can disrupt the skin's acid mantle if your cleanser is a much higher pH than the pH of the skin's natural levels. So when I say um, high pH, you might say, well, what, what is a high pH? Anything over about a 7.5 is considered quite high. So if you're using a cleanser that has a pH level of an 8 or a 9, if you have normal skin, you might be totally fine and not notice any difference. But if you have sensitive skin, if your skin is already damaged um, or you are acne prone, then this can actually break down the skin's acid mantle which is its, its barrier and then once that has broken down the skin is very prone to attack from bacteria and things like that that's why for most of our customers i would always just recommend going with a 5.5 ph cleanser just in case you know if you have absolutely no problems with acne or anything like that it might not be a big issue for you but for a lot of people that is a problem so that's why we recommend a ph balance cleanser most companies don't even post that information of the pH balance on the label. 
I think that's very true. I remember as a even as a teenager in Australia, you know, pH potentially on the 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 acne focused products that were trying to be marketed towards teens, they would have that on it, but it really wasn't a thing that I became aware of until I really started getting into Korean beauty. Um, and then obviously did a bit more digging and worked out why, you know, everyone in Korea was talking about pH and and that's obviously the reason. Yeah, you don't hear too much about that in and any cleansers here. So now Korean skincare has the reputation of having a lot of steps. Can you explain to us why there's so many steps and what is a typical routine? Definitely. So the first thing I would say is don't be put off by, you know, the 10 step, 12 step people that talk about, oh, you know, there's a set number of steps and you have to follow them. Korean beauty is not about following 10 steps. And if you don't do it, you know, that's not right. Um, it really is about tailoring your skin to tailoring your skincare to meet your skin's concerns. So as we know, you know, most, well, certainly Korea has four distinct seasons and I, I think many parts of the US do as well. So it means that your skin is going, you know, through maybe a really cold winter, then a really hot, humid summer. So you're going to want to tailor your skincare and change it up so that you're meeting the needs of your skin throughout different seasons of the year. And this treatment steps are really designed just to do that. So it's about layering different layers of hydration and adding in some treatment elements through serum and things like that just to properly care for your skin and meet its different needs so the typical steps that you'll hear talked of are obviously the double cleanse which we just spoke about uh, then toning which i think a lot of americans would be familiar with already then there's a, a step that is a little bit different called an essence uh, an essence is, was originally designed to treat the skin on a sort of cellular level that would to help um, you know, the skin repair itself, essentially. So that's a common product you'll see. Then all of the rest of the steps in the middle are really just combinations of either serums, uh, emulsions and things like that to treat the skin. And then you finish off, obviously, with an eye cream if you need one, uh, a moisturizer. And then if your skin is very lacking in hydration, you could go in with an, a finishing step, which is a sleeping mask to wear overnight. So that, in a nutshell, is the Korean beauty routine that people talk about. So you would layer those products on and then put the sleeping mask over them. Yes, that's right. So the sleeping mask is what we call an occlusive layer, and that's really just to seal everything into the skin. But it's not a step that people need to do, and it's certainly not a step that you need to do every night either. Um, if your skin is feeling lackluster, like if, if, if it's looking lackluster, if it's feeling dry, if it's feeling like it's lacking in you know water or oil, then that might be something that you would want to put on. But for people that already have oily skin, they might not need to do that step. So that's what I mean about tailoring it to you. It's not like slavishly following, oh, my God, quickly, I've got to go home and do my 10 steps. You won't hear any Korean women talking about that. Um, and that's because it's really just about their approach to skincare as opposed to a set set of steps or rules that you have to do. You talk about layering the products and yeah. you layer in the products. So before we get into that, what's the difference? Tell us exactly what the difference between an essence and a serum is. Look, technically, the idea was that Essence would treat the skin on a cellular level and then, and it was a lot more watery in texture. And then the serum would have your actives in it, so your active ingredients that actually go in to treat the skin and it was thicker. 
But there are so many companies out there nowadays and there's so many different products that it is actually sometimes hard to tell the difference. You'll get really thick um, essences and you can get watery serums. So my general rule, and this is what I tell all of our customers, is start with the product that is the thinnest in texture and work your way up to the thickest. That is a good general rule. Um, and that's just so that the products actually properly, properly absorb into your skin. If you're putting a really thick, heavy moisturizer on first, obviously if you're putting a watery product on after that, it's not going to actually reach to the layers of the skin. So that's just a, a really quick cheat that I have. All right. So let's just go over this real quickly just to clarify everything. The difference between an essence and a serum, an essence is more of a hydrator. A serum is a treatment for the skin. Yes. Okay. So we got that. Now, when it comes to the steps, we'd start out with what we would call a double cleanse, using first the oil-based cleanser, then the foaming. Next, we'd use a toner to balance the pH. Then, depending on whether the serum or the essence is thicker, we'd apply those two products. And then over that, we would apply our moisturizer. If we felt we needed extra hydration at night, we'd use a sleeping mask. That's right. Yes. Okay. All right. We got that. <laughs> so it goes from thin to heavy. All right. That's it. Yeah. Thin to All heavy. Right. That's the quickest way to remember. <laughs> Tell us about the technique that's used to apply the products, especially the essence. I think most of us are used to massaging the products in. So tell us the techniques the Koreans use. So with essences, the, the best way to get the most out of your essence is actually to tap or pat it into the face. So just really light strokes and you just pat, 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 pat all over your skin. Um, and that's a common thing, thing that you'll see through all of the Korean products is they have slightly different ways to apply them. And that's just to make sure that you're getting the most out of your products. And also because it's good for circulation as well. Oh, yes. And you can see Im almost immediately changes in the skin, especially if you tap a few layers of essence into the skin. I've also found that the ingredients in an essence are usually something like uh, hyaluronic acid, niacin, or even peptides. That's right. That's very common. Another one you might see, it's a bit of a mouthful, is galactomyces. Um, and it's a type of yeast extract that's very popular in Korean beauty essences as well. So it's a byproduct of the yeast fermentation process. Um, so it's a fermented type of ingredient. And what would be the benefit of the fermented ingredients? How, how does that benefit the skin? Well, supposedly the, they're more broken down, so they're more easily absorbed by the skin. Um, but there are, I know, some skin types that don't work so well with ferments and can have reactions to them. So I think it's a very personal thing. Some people swear by them. Um, and, of course, the ferment is the key ingredient in SK2's essence. So that's a very popular uh, product, I think, pretty much everywhere. So that it, it's playing off that kind of technology. So now tell us about the seven skins, the technique called the seven skins. What exactly is that? So the seven skins method, so skins in Korean actually refers to toner. So seven skins is really just seven steps of toner. Um, and what the girls started doing was to cut down on other probably more expensive products in their routine. They realized that if you layer your toner seven times, the skin is already so hydrated that you really can cut down on some other steps. So it's great if you're traveling because you don't want to take a whole lot of different products. 
and you really just keep patting the toner into your face until the face can't take any more hydration. So some people will only be able to get to three steps. Some people will get all the way up to seven. That's the idea. And would you do that every day or, sh- or should that be a daily thing? I know sometimes, you, like you said, you don't really need the whole seven. I think this is definitely a case-by-case basis. If your skin is really in need of the hydration, you can do it every single day. Um, if you're time poor, maybe you want to skip. Um, or you, if your, your skin just doesn't need that much hydration, you know, you might just get away with doing three skins and be done. Well, I'm the type of person that goes overboard. I do it with the toner <laughs> and the essence. <laughs> but I end up with this glass skin. You know what they call glass skin yeah. where it's just really yeah. shiny and nice. Just like poreless and smooth. That's mm-hmm. the goal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So now let's talk about how important sunscreen is to um, Korean skincare. Oh my God. It is so important. So um, having white and unblemished, so skin that is free of pigmentation and melasma and dark spots and unevenness is pretty much the most highly prized thing in Korean skincare. So sunscreen is like a religion here. It's so important. Everyone wears it. You wouldn't catch anyone leaving the house without it. I mean, some people take their skincare and sun care so far that they, you know, wear an umbrella when they're leaving the house so that the sun's rays don't touch their face. I know other people that wear like long sleeve clothing even in summer so that they don't get, you know, pigmentation and things like that on their arms. So sun care is really, really, really important. And that's just because, you know, obviously prevention is always better than a cure and if you're trying to avoid pigmentation and aging spots and things like that there's no better way than to wear sunscreen i know the koreans really prize a lighter complexion in fact a lot of times they'll even want their makeup a shade or so lighter than their natural skin can you tell us traditionally why why fairer complexions are more popular in korea Sure. So traditionally in Asian societies, if you were wealthy, you didn't need to go outside and work in the fields and, you know, like pick crops and rice and things like that. You got to stay at home. So it was actually a sign of wealth. If you had white skin, you were wealthy. It's kind of the opposite to us in the West. You know, we like a tan because that's a sign of someone that has time on their hands to go to the beach. You've got leisure time. So a tan is a sign of wealth in the West. So it's just like swapped over. So there is still... um, um, I guess that connotation that white skin is a mark of, you know, prestige or someone that has a lot of money. <laughs> right, right. You know, years ago when I was doing makeup, a Korean lady would always want me to put her makeup on a lot lighter. And I used to be really confused by that because, like you said, here in the States, we, we really prize looking tan. So I probably wear my makeup even a little darker than my skin tone. I just don't like to look that pale. I have noticed that a lot of the Korean products have a lightening agent within the product. Even like, let's say their moisturizers will actually lighten the skin. I noticed that my skin will lighten. Are the products actually bleaching the skin? Yeah, it's definitely not bleach. So the kind of um, ingredients that you'll see in Korean beauty are things that 
I think it's better to call it brightening. So brightening, what does that mean? It means that, like we were talking about, because this, you know, having a clear, even glass skin is highly prized, you don't want anything on the face that gets in the way of that. So if you've got uneven tone or pigmentation or dark spots or things like that, that is not the ideal. So these products are designed to help fade those spots. Um, and they use all kinds of different extracts. Licorice extract is a popular one. Um, obviously, niacinamide, then um, arbutin, which is a natural byproduct of hydroquinone. But again, all in really, really low doses. So this is not the kind of stuff that is going to bleach your skin or turn your skin a completely different color, just because that kind of stuff would be regulated by the FDA. Um, and it's not able to be sold unless you have a prescription from um, a pharmacist. And that's certainly the case in Australia as well. It's that, that kind of medication is not something you can just buy in ordinary cosmetics. Um, so no, you don't need to worry about your skin turning a different color, but you will notice a smoother and more even skin tone from these right. things. Right. Yeah. And some people get the, it confused whitening with brightening or... Yeah. Whitening, I guess, again, going back to the, you know, why Asians often want to have a lighter um, foundation than their natural skin tone, they call that whitening because to them that is what they want their skin to look like. But for us, when we think of whitening, we think of bleach. So I think the better translation for the Korean word for whitening would be skin brightening because that's really what the products are aimed to do. Um, they're not aiming to actually change you to be a different race or be a completely different color or something like that. That is not the kind of, um, I guess, ingredients that you can find in ordinary Korean beauty cosmetics. Right. But I think it does confuse a lot of people. And I'm glad that you could clarify that for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think if you, uh, if you can understand the cultural context behind it, um, and I guess as we were talking about, you know, the, the needing, the wanting to stay away from the sun and the wanting to be as white as possible, then what, the reason why they call these products whitening products, I think it becomes a little more obvious. But I think for us, when we think about, you know, having a clear, even skin tone, we would probably say we want our skin to be brighter, not whiter. I know for myself, being a really pale Caucasian, the last thing I want is to become any more white, you know. Like, if anything, I would like to have a bit more colour in my skin. So Exactly. These products are still fine for me to use because they're really just getting rid of those unwanted dark spots that, you know, no matter how pale you are, nobody wants those on their skin because it just makes you look a little bit more, you know, I guess older and, um, you know, sun battered. <laughs> right. And as you know, over time, our skin oxidizes. We tend to have this yellow dull cast that it forms over our skin, which causes the skin to have kind of a yellow cast or an ashy cast. A lot of the ingredients in the Korean skincare do kind of lift that oxidation off the skin, which will make the skin look lighter and, as you say, brighter. Exactly. And I think at the end of the day, that's actually something that everyone wants in their beauty products. It's probably just not a label that we're used to seeing or a product that we're used to reaching for. But there's definitely no need to be scared of those kind of products. They do not contain bleach. Um, that's not the aim of them at all. So I think bright skin, if you think of um, the skin looking radiant and healthy and glowing, that's the kind of thing you're going to see with those products. So then when we do see the label on a Korean product that says whitening, it's more comparable to something that we may be more familiar with, like an antioxidant serum or cream. 
I think so, yeah. Like the kind of results that you would expect or hope to see from using a vitamin C serum. Right. That's right. what you from those products. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, so another thing, and I've never tried this or used this on my products, and to be honest with you, it just seems a little gross. <laughs> I hate to say that, but many of the products contain snail. Yes, okay, so with a big caveat, they contain snail mucin, which is not the snail itself. So you don't need to be worried about finding crushed snails in your Korean beauty products. That's not what snail mucin is. It's actually the trail that the snails leave behind when they're crawling over the ground. So if you've ever seen a snail sort of, you know, squirming along the ground and you see that sort of stickiness left behind it, that is what is being collected and harvested and put into these beauty products, not the snail itself. So what is the benefit of this snail mucin? So snail mucin actually naturally contains a whole heap of like skin-friendly goodies. So it's got proteins, it's got elastin, glycolic acid, hyaluronic acid, and copper peptides. And it's also full of antimicrobial properties that help to avoid bacteria. So it's just a really great natural ingredient from nature that can be applied to a whole heap of different skin issues. And funnily enough, the Koreans were actually not the ones that discovered this. So the ancient Greeks also used snail mucin. I think the Koreans have just obviously popularized it. So when we think of, of snail cream, we think of K-beauty, but actually the Greeks found it a long time ago. So then would it be good for all skin types? Yes. So essentially, who can benefit from snail mucin is pretty much everyone. It can help the look and texture of, um, you know, aging skin, damaged skin, acne prone skin. It supports natural cell regeneration. Uh, and it also replenishes moisture, which helps skin stay firm and supple. So there's basically no skin types or issues that wouldn't benefit from snail, but I understand that the mental block can be strong for a lot of people when it comes to the thought of putting it on your face. One thing I will say is that it doesn't smell at all like snail. You will not open the Korean snail cream and be like, oh my God, you know, this is smelling like a dead snail. It's not like that at all. You will notice that some of them are a bit stringy or mm -hmm. Yeah, um, the texture is weird. Yes, but in terms of the way they're harvested, in fact, nearly all of the snail creams that we have, I think all of the ones that we have on our Star Story website are all actually cruelty-free, and one is even cruelty-free certified by um, PETA, and that's because they're looking at the way these animals are kept um, and the way that they're treated as the mucin is being collected from them, and they have felt comfortable in saying this is not harming the animals themselves. Yeah, well, I think that's important to know. So now let's talk about the masks. Masks are so big in Korean skincare, especially the sheet masks. Yes, um, a very popular part of the Korean beauty routine. Um, I know there was a trend a few years ago for girls to do what they were calling a pack a day. Uh, and it's not a, a, a pack of cigarettes, but in Korean, uh, it's translated as mask pack. So the girls were applying a sheet mask to their face every single day. And that was a sort of a skincare challenge that people were doing. So yes, sheet masks are a very, very popular part of the Korean beauty routine. Uh, and again, this is just another treatment step that you can add in. Most people do it at night, I guess, you know, um, 
to make the most of the skin's ability to repair itself overnight while you're sleeping, and it just adds hydration uh, into the skin. So very quick and easy way to get a lot of moisture into the skin in a short amount of time. Now, something else that's di much different in a Korean facial, a professional facial, is they may apply two to three different types of masks in one facial treatment. So I'm uh, obviously not an esthetician, but definitely they are a great way to add hydration really, really quickly. So I can totally see why that would be an important part of um, an esthetician's, I guess, routine and process, just because they are such a great way to do that. It just seals everything into the skin. That's how the sheet mask um, act. It's just another occlusive, really. Yeah. Here, they generally tend to do what's called a modeling mask. So that's yeah. the kind of mask that you, I guess, um, pour onto the face um, and it molds itself to the face and then you peel it off. That's a really popular treatment and the way that most um, aesthetic treatments end here in Korea and as well as any laser treatments and things like that with um, a mask like that. And again, it just does the same thing in a slightly different form. So yes, very popular. That's right. Almost every treatment will end with some type of modeling mask. And now as far as home care devices, how popular are those in Korea? Do they use very many of the home care devices as they do here in the States? Definitely. So this is not a thing that people do at home necessarily. I mean, there are home care devices that you can buy, but the big thing that I see is people going for treatments at their esthetician. Um, most people go very, very frequently, much more frequently than certainly we go in Australia. I mean, you know, the care, a treatment like that in Australia is just not, it's, it's considered more of a luxury than, you know, something that you would go and do on the regular. Whereas here, I think people just incorporate it into their, 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 daily lives so yes all kinds of different machinery and i know that the machinery that they have over here in the spas in korea is so popular that they, they export it all over the world so when i have gone back to australia and seen the equipment that they're using in the spas there it's nearly all korean <laughs> yes and it seems like a lot of their devices are a lot smaller and more convenient to use than the, what we use here in the states some of the equipment that they using facial treatments here in the States are big and bulky. I have a very small facial room. I love my Korean device. I find that it's just as powerful as some of those big bulky equipment. So my next question, well, we may have already went over this. I'm not sure. Did we talk about how many times a week it's recommended to use a mask or a sheet mask? Well, I mean, look, this is another thing that you can really just, you know, work it in to suit yourself. If you want to do one every day, you technically can. I guess most people try to aim for two or three times a week. Um, and you don't need to feel like you have to sit down and, you know, lie down while you're doing it. You can be cooking dinner or watching TV or doing something else. So it doesn't have to take a lot of time out of your night. So I've been to your website. You've got a lot of products, a lot of big, large selection. It's easy to navigate. I'm going to get myself some of your products and try yeah. them out. Where can our listeners today find your products or talk to you? Can they get support from your website? Tell us about your website. 100%. Yes, they can. So our website is www.stylestory.com.au and they can come there, they can shop 
a huge range of Korean beauty products. Uh, we actually have a live chat service on our website so people can talk to a, uh, one of our team in real time and get recommendations of products and things like that. You will find me very frequently uh, talking all things skincare as well on Instagram. I love to get on stories and things like that and just talk through you know, skin issues that people are having. So that's style story underscore K beauty on Instagram as well. So that's okay. Yeah. Great. I will put all those links in the show notes. So I know Eric is on listening today. Erica, if you could send me those links, I will put them in the show notes so that when listeners listen to the today's episode, they can be browsing your beauty, your beauty website as they're listening to you speak. Of course. Yes. I'll get that over to you tonight. Okay, great. Well, Lauren, it's been fabulous talking to you. I know we could have talked a lot more, but we're running out of time here. I really appreciate you being on and I'm so anxious to get into some of your beauty products and try them out. I wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much for all your information today. Thanks so much for having me. This has been great. Okay, talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.